Man, I just want to praise the Lord for such a, a great environment of peace and worship and calm, right? Just, man, it just feels so great. I believe that um, we can engage the Lord in spirit, right? Because we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, but we know that the spirit can then influence our mind and then that influences our, our body, right? It all comes into alignment and it's a wonderful thing. And so this morning, um, we're going to be talking about a little bit, it's going to stem, everything we talk about is going to stem from this phrase, see me. And I know that may, might not make sense to you right now. However, as, I, as I've been preparing to speak this morning, um, over the past week, I've just kind of been saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to say? And so in my preparation, what I do is I, I just straight up ask the Lord, I say, what do you want to say to your people? And, uh, and then I wait. And then I tell you, it's such a step of faith in that place when I hear something, because I have to believe and have faith that what I hear in my spirit is what the Lord is saying. And so I've been, I've been preparing this, this one sermon where I was going to talk about the spiritual nature of the kingdom. And I believe that we, yeah, we're going to move into that a little bit deeper. Last week we talked about repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I believe uh, today is a, we're flowing into today um, piggybacking on what happened last, last week with repentance. And, uh, and so I was there at home and I was playing some music. I guess you would call it soaking music or something like that. And, and uh, I'm like laying on the floor and just saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to get into this place of peace. And so I started breathing and just speaking. And then I got off the floor and I got on my knees and started to pray and talk to God. And, and um, I was really just trying to come to a place where I was saying, okay, God, you know, what do you want to say? And so finally I said, what do you want to say to your people? And I heard this phrase, see me. And I thought, oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And in a moment, like in, a, in, a, in an instant, um, there was a part of me that was like, well, crap, now I have to scratch everything I've been working on up until this point. You know, and this is last night at like, at, you know, 10 p.m. or whatever time it was. And, uh, but you know what? It's such a better place. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to have faith and I'm going to teach on this. And, and because this is what you want to say. I know what I want to talk about because I think it's important. But I'm going to do what you want me to do. And so it's really great. And so then I sat down and I started doing some research and, uh, and, and doing, you know, looking up some scriptures. And of course, I was still praying and saying, okay, God, okay, God. And what was interesting is that um, he reminded me of a scripture that kind of messed me up a couple weeks ago. And when I was still on Facebook, I posted it out. And it's Matthew 5, 8. And it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And so, with the Lord saying, I want people to see me, he led me to the scripture that says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How do we see God? We have a pure heart. And so how then do we get a pure heart? Why should we have a pure heart? And I think just right up front, says they will see God. And so as we kind of navigate through this sermon um, this morning, through this teaching, um, I, was, I, I was a little bit worried that as we navigate through the sermon, that it was going to seem a little 
uh, more like doom and gloom. Like last week was like, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, except I didn't say it like that. But, you know, these are the, the signs people hold on the corner, you know, and, and I believe there's good intention in that. But I also believe that the reason that obviously Jesus spoke these things was because there were greater things to be had, right? There's a greater way. There's a greater kingdom. There's a kingdom filled with peace and joy and love and mercy and kindness and relationship with the Father. So, so much of a great relationship that he invites us into a deep, intimate relationship. And he says, I want you to see me. And so you will be blessed when you're pure in heart because that pure heart will then allow you to see me. And, and, and again, I told you guys that I'm, I'm kind of a word guy. And so I looked up the word see as if, you know, it was going to mean something different. Well, it does mean a few different things. There's a literal, and then there's kind of like a, I don't know if you want to call it philosophical or, you know, there's, I can see with my eyes, but then we can see, and it's kind of like a discernment. It's like a discerning seeing, right? So I can see with my mind or I can see with my spirit. You know, has anyone, or have you ever heard the phrase like, you know, I see you? And it's not that I see you with my eyes, but it's like, I feel you. I know where you're coming from, right? I see you. I get it. And so um, this literally means to see with your eyes. That with our eyeballs, <laughs> last week I talked about eyeballs, right? With our eyeballs, our physical eyeballs, our, we can see the Lord. We can see God. And that kind of blew my mind. And, and so when I was thinking about this scripture uh, a couple weeks back, I was like, man, blessed are the pure in heart. And I was like, God, I, I want to see you. I want to see God. Right? He's the invisible God. He's invisible by nature. And there are certain scriptures in different places where it says, for no one can see God, for they will surely die. But scripture tells us, blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. And so we get an instance and a how to actually see God, and it's through a pure heart. And so I started thinking about this word pure. And of course, doing my word study, um, it came up that pure... Uh, means without admixture, or admixture, I don't even know how to really say the word, but basically it just means mixture, without mixture. And I started thinking about that, and I said, you know, it's like I've had a mixed heart for a long time. I started to notice in my own life different areas where I, you know, it was like, it's real easy around a certain group of people to be, Jason, pastor, teacher, rabbi, <laughs> um, to be this guy. Oh, I'm with the source and, you know, doing the hub and his kingdom come. And yeah, you know, and I love the word. And, and yeah, that's, that's me. That's really, truly me. But then I realized even behind closed doors how much I was struggling to be that guy and to allow that part of my life for, to, to, have, um, to not have impurities, to have purity in those in those places. And I started to realize, man, I get alone and my thoughts go here and my eyes go here and my heart goes there. And it's in one instance, I'm crying out, yes, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. I want you, I desire you. But then behind closed doors, I'm wanting something else. I'm wanting the world. When I'm sitting at, at work, I'm desiring something different, right? When I'm in my car driving, I'm desiring something different. And so when I get into certain environments where it's easy to like be a Christian and worship and put on the mask and not really put on a mask, right? I'm putting on a, I'm lit, I'm, when I'm 
when I'm seeking things that aren't of the kingdom, I think that's when I'm really putting on a mask. Because when I take the mask off, the real me is a person that desires the Lord. It's not the other way around. I'm not my sin. right? I'm not my brokenness. I am the other thing. And so I really started thinking about this without mixture. And I was like, gosh, like, how much have I allowed my life to be mixed with the kingdom of heaven and then the kingdom of the world? And this kind of falls into that thing we were talking about last week with repentance. Is it all... Right? Have we given all? Are we doing 99% and then 1%? Or are we doing 100%? And what scripture says is, blessed are the 100% focused on God in their heart, for they will see God, right? It's without mixture. And so he's saying, look, you want to see me? I want you to see me. I want you to see me. And if you want to see me, understand that this is the way. Blessed are the pure in heart. And so the beautiful thing about this is that Scripture tells us that, um, and this is the Father speaking through his prophet, he says, I will give you a new heart. I will cause you to walk in my ways. I will help you to overcome your idols. I will give you a pure heart. I will put my spirit in you. So it's a work that God does, but it's a work that we come into agreement with, right? We have to say, yes, I want that. Right? So the Lord says, I'm going to give you a pure heart. And we have to say, yes, Lord, I want that pure heart. Rather than the Lord saying, I'm going to give you a pure heart. And then you saying, okay, well, maybe one day he'll do it. And I can tell you, I lived in bondage and I lived in slavery to certain sins and certain things for so long because I just expected that one day I was going to change. Rather than realizing what the Lord is saying about me, hearing his words spoken, right? As we read the scripture and then these prophets are hearing the word of the Lord and they're saying, thus saith the Lord and they're speaking it, right? And then we read it, we can hear it. It's the Lord saying it. Then the spirit says, yes, this is right. This is the father. You need this. And the spirit in us wants it. The scripture says, the spirit in us causes us to desire to walk into his ways. Right, It causes us to want to walk in, in his ways. And so there's a part of me that's saying, yes, yes, Lord, I want this. And then there's that, that ugly flesh that sometimes says, no, I want the ways of the world. And so I think we have to come to a place to we're gonna, where we're going to say, yes, Lord, I want this. And you might, you might be here and you might say, you know what, I just... I mean, I, I don't know what's going on in your heart, but you might say, well, yeah, I, I kind of do, but I want these other things. And I would say that just, that's a, that's a place we need to get into prayer and say, okay, Lord, like, change my heart, right? I want a changed heart. And so this, this without mixture thing really started messing me up. And I started thinking, God, how many ways have I mixed my life? How many ways have I said, yes, I want your kingdom, but then, yes, I want this other thing? So it really kind of put me in a place of thinking. So I hope that this morning, as, as we move on through this, that you may you would start to allow the Holy Spirit to bring things up in you where he's saying, yeah, you've mixed the world in this area, or you've mixed sin into purity in this place, and that he would show you. Because, I mean, I could stand up here and I could list out, you know, here's what I think all the sins are. You know, and 
do you fall into this category? Do you fall into this category? It's not what I'm here to do, right? I want the Holy Spirit to show you just like I had to hit my knees and say, okay, Lord, where have I allowed mixture? And then he showed me. And so here's where I want to go with this. Um, we're going to read some scriptures and we're going, to, we're going to work through some of the word and what it says. And then what I wanted to get to is the how. And then I want to get to the now, right? So let's take some time right here, right now, before we leave and give some things to the Lord, right? Let's, let's allow Him to bring cleansing in those places that are impure. Let's allow ourselves to come into agreement with the work that He wants to do in us rather than getting in the way and saying, well, I'm not really sure that I'm there just yet, right? So we want, we want functional ministry to happen through this. And so um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, and, and this is where I, I kind of got a little bit scared about uh, <laughs> the scripture that I was going to read because I'm like, oh, it's so tough. It's hard scripture. And, you know, I... I don't know. I was like, okay, God, if this is the way you want to go. And I was worried in my spirit. I was not worried in my spirit, but worried in my flesh that, oh, you know, this, people are going to think all we do is talk about, like, you know, bad things. And, you know, I want people to feel filled with joy. And I want people to experience, can I just teach on the love of God and the grace of God? It makes us feel so good. But here's the beautiful thing about these scriptures where the Lord is challenging us. Again, last week we talked about challenge, where he's challenging us. Because what the Father desires for us is what is best for us. Right? Even if it takes us through a tough time. Right? We know, Scripture tells us we should rejoice when we face trials of many kinds. Right? The disciples in the book of Acts, when they underwent persecution, they were beat and bruised and whipped and thrown in jail. And they rejoiced because they were worthy to receive persecution in the name of Jesus. And that seems like so far off. It's so far off that I had a fleshly fear of reading this scripture and some of the scriptures that we're reading this morning. But let me tell you, it's, from, it's such a beautiful place of love because there's a place of freedom. Scripture tells us he'll give us beauty for ashes, right? He'll, he'll give us joy for our mourning. He'll turn our mourning into joy, our mourning into dancing, our mourning into praise. And so when I see this and I read this, now I read it from a place of love that the Father's bringing correction. Scripture's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In Hebrews it tells us, that, have you forgotten that it is written the Lord disciplines those he loves and everyone undergoes discipline. And if we're not disciplined, well, then we're illegitimate children. But the Father disciplines those he loves. And so we can say, okay, Lord, I'm here. I'm open. I'm vulnerable. Here's all my junk. Here's all the deep, dark places in my heart and my mind. Here are the things that I haven't thought about in a long time because I still feel guilt and shame for them. Here I am, Lord. And so what do you want to say to me? How do you want to correct me? Can you imagine if, uh, how many of you have children? Can you imagine if your child, if they're old enough, if they came up to you one day and said, hey mom, hey dad, you know, I've really been thinking 
And I've, I've been disobedient in a lot of ways. And so can you tell me all the ways I've been disobedient? And then as a matter of fact, can you discipline me? Because I really think that I should be disciplined for all the wrong things that I've done. All right. <laughs> that would be very, it's a very different situation. But essentially, this is what we're saying we're going to do with the Father. Say, Lord, I'm yours. You're my Father. I trust you for correction. I trust you to set me free. I trust you to set me right. I trust you to train me in righteousness. I trust you enough that I'm going to bring all of this to you and I'm going to say, yes, Lord, do your work. And we have a loving Father who's going to gently and lovingly correct. And Scripture says that discipline at the time is not pleasant. So for some of us, it's not pleasant. We're going to read in James here in a little while where James says, yeah, he's, he's going to paint the picture of how it's unpleasant. So... As we move forward, let's understand that this is approaching a loving Father, right? Let us boldly approach the throne of mercy so we can receive grace in our time of need, right? Mercy and grace in our time of need. And so, First uh, John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ouch. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's what's next possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. And so here's, here's this uh, Apostle John. He's saying, do not love the world or the things in the world. And that if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And that's so tough, right? If I, I think about the, the things that, that I love that are of this world. So let me just make a distinction here real quick. Is that in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Right? We know the scripture. We learned it in Sunday school if you went to Sunday school. Um, For God so loved the world. Now in this instance, we're talking about the people of the world. Right? God so loved his creation. God so loved us that he died so that we might be made right with him. But when John's talking about the world, he says, do not love the world or the things of the world. He's talking about the sin system. He's talking about a system that, uh, that um, says sin is okay when it's not okay. He's talking about a mindset that desires sin and doesn't desire God. It's a complete and full rejection of God and His kingdom and an embracing of a world without God as king, right? And so he's saying, do not love the world or things in the world. And for some of us, that's, that's tough. We read it, we're like, ah, there's been some things that I've loved. There's been some sin that I've loved, right? And I, man, I just think about my own life. And there's obvious sin, and I talked about this last week. There's sin that I've brought to the Lord because I felt bad about it. But then there's all sorts of other things that I've not said anything about because I've enjoyed them too much, right? And so as, as the Lord led me into this time of repentance, into this new year, I've had to, like, I've had to give up extremes. I've, I've gone to the extreme in my coffee habit and I've gone to the extreme in my food habit and I've gone to the extreme in my social media habit right and I've gone to the extreme in my trying to build a, a, a I don't know make money and get recognition 
right? I've done all these things. I've put so much time and energy and money and praise the Lord for my wife being patient with me through all of my crazy endeavors, right? And so there's, the, here, 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 Lord, here's the sin that I feel bad about, but I, I, I'm really not willing to give up eating the food that tastes good, that I like, that I know is terrible for my body because I feel like crap all day, every day, and I'm always tired, and I never have any more joy because my body is achy and broken. You know what I mean? And so here's the interesting thing. Again, word study. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So that word love there is essentially this word agape love. And I've always come to know that as an unconditional love, which is, yes, it's an unconditional love. But when I looked it up, it said a preferential love. Right? Interestingly, the Lord agape loves us. He preferentially loves us. He prefers you and therefore gives you love. And what John is warning us is saying, don't love the world. Don't prefer the world over the kingdom, right? Don't prefer these sins and these things and this system and these ways over the kingdom of God. And for a long time, I have, right? I've, I've even preferred Christ, Christianity in a way that makes me feel comfortable and doesn't challenge me and doesn't weird other people out. I've preferred that Christianity and kingdom over the kingdom of heaven, which again is supernatural, it's spiritual, it's miraculous, it's invisible, it's unseen, right? And it's uncomfortable and it's challenging and it challenges the way we think, it challenges our theologies and our doctrines and it challenges... The way, the way we've come to know certain things. You know, I reached a point uh, one time or a while back where I, I knew that I hadn't come to a full grasp of Scripture, but I really didn't feel like I was going to learn anything new. Someone would preach a sermon, I'm like, I've heard that before, right? I'd go sit in a church, I'm like, I've heard this teaching before. And I had pride because I was puffed up with knowledge. And then the Lord recently has been challenging many of us to come to a place where even our what we thought were certain sound doctrines and sound theologies, and they're, man, they're like infiltrated with the yeast of the Pharisees. Law. Law-based, graceless religion. And I'm not here to give an exhaustive list of those and argue against them, but I'm saying I came to that place to where even my doctrines and my theologies were challenged. My understanding of who God is and how He functions with people was challenged and I said, no, I don't want to go here because it makes me uncomfortable. So I preferred a, even a, a powerless, maybe even godless Christianity over one that would challenge me and grow me and call me to die to self and give myself in every single way, right? And we all have, we, I mean, my hope, my, my hope is that in these times where we talk about these things, that you would see the Father's heart for you because he wants to rescue us. It's not that the Lord wants to slap us on our hand and say, well, you've, you've preferred the world. Bad Christian, right? It's that he's seeking to rescue us. I mean, it's like Peter drowning in the water <laughs> and here comes the Lord walking on water. The very thing that was, could have killed Peter 
had he not allowed the Lord to reach in and pull him out, he would have drowned. Right? And the Father, or Jesus, comes and reaches out his hand and he pulls Peter out. And it was a rescue. And this is what the Father desires for us. It's not that he wants us to feel bad. It's that he wants to rescue us from the things that have potential to kill us. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It's only those that have been purified through coming into intimate relationship with the Father, allowing the Holy Spirit to do its work in us, His work in us, by the blood of the Lamb. We are being made into the image of Christ. Christ is perfect, right? If we are outside of the purity of the sacrifice of Jesus, well, then we are in impurity, and impure does not see God. And God says, I want you to see me. I want to purify you. I want you to allow me to purify you so that you can see me. I'm here to rescue you from that which has potential to bring you death. And that's a beautiful thing. I say, to that I say, thank you, Lord. I said this a while back. There have been place, uh, times where, uh, or there was a time where I was considering um, the things that the Lord has, had done in my life. And I had to thank Him for intervening, on, in, my, intervening in my life rather than interfering with my life, right? If we desire the kingdom and his ways, and we desire purity and intimacy with him and relationship with him, and he corrects and disciplines and challenges us, it's then an intervention, it's not an interference. But if we feel like the Lord or God is interfering in our life, well then I would say that's a telltale sign of preferring the world and its ways. I want to live this way. I want to be this way. I want to do these things. And I felt these things before when the Lord's called me to fasting and praying. And I tell you what, I don't like fasting. I don't like giving up things that make me feel good. I don't like an empty stomach, feeling in my stomach. I don't like feeling hangry, right? I get hangry. I don't like that. Why would I impose that upon myself? But then I have to understand that at that place, that's where the Lord is intervening and He's saying, I'm watching what you eat <laughs> with your mouth and I'm watching what you consume with your soul. I'm watching the effects that that has on your spirit. I'm watching the effects that that has on my relationship with you and I'm here to rescue you from that because it has the potential to bring death. Right? A mind set on the flesh is death. A mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Amen? So John is warning us of a preferential love for the things of the world and sin and its ways and its desires. Right? This is repent for the kingdom of God at hand. There's a new regime. There's a new reign. There's a new rule. There's a new king. There's a new way. There's a better way. And he wants us to, to enter into that. And so let me just read this. We should have no preference for the world over the things of the kingdom. For some of you, this may be an easy thing. How could I ever desire anything over God? Right? Maybe you say, yeah, I just can't, I can't even imagine it. But I was one where I would say, man, I, you know, it's like, no, I don't, I don't want to sin. But then I'm sinning. And then I'm guilty because I'm like, God, like, how do I want this over what you want for me? Right? And so for others, you might say, yeah, I've got some things I need to sort out. And so 
It's going to say maybe we need to spend some time repenting or spending some time with thinking, right? Metanoia. We need to spend some time considering and pondering. And so this is what James, in chapter 4, this is what he's proposing. And so he's, um, I don't know if he's a little less loving, I would say, but he's calling people out. And he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So not only is in John is he saying that um, if we love the ways of the world, that the love of God's not in us. Ouch, that hurts. But then here comes James, and he's supporting that, saying, you adulterous people. And so he's saying that if you're a friend of the world, and this is tough, this is very tough, he's calling you an adulterer, right? Now, adultery is a word that is um, applied to a situation where there's a marriage, and then there's infidelity within that marriage, right? And it's a it's sexual, sexually, right? Sexual morality, right? There was an act of sexual morality. And so in Scripture, it tells us that when a man and a wife come together, they're made one. And Jesus then prays that we would be one with the Father as he is one with the Father. And he's talking about oneness. He's talking about coming together in such a way that we're united in a marriage covenant with Christ we are the bride of Christ right I heard uh, something funny my my nephew Chris uh, last week he preached a sermon and he said he was talking about being sons of God he said okay ladies you have to be sons of God if I have to be the bride of Christ I thought that was pretty funny (laughs) and 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 so we're the bride and so we are in this covenant with the Lord in his kingdom in this marriage in this relationship with him a love relationship a committed relationship unto death into eternity relationship and then James says if you're a friend of the world you're committing adultery in your brideship with Christ and I thought wow that's that's jacked up and I thought about the times and there's there's a beautiful story and it doesn't seem like a beautiful story but it's Hosea right where um, I can't remember the name of the guy. He has to marry essentially a prostitute, right? It's Hosea. What was the name of the prostitute? Gomer. Gomer. Thank you. So God tells Hosea, marry Gomer, who's a prostitute. And interestingly, the prostitute was representative of the Israelites who continued to commit adultery on the Lord their God who saved them from the hand of Pharaoh with an outstretched hand and a mighty arm, rescued them from oppression, brought them into the land of milk and honey, and then they turned their back on him. Right? And so it was very representative. And so I remember listening to a sermon one day where, where the guy says, you're Gomer, and Jesus is Hosea. Jesus made a way for us to enter into this marriage relationship He chose us even though we were committing adultery and sin against the Father. Yet, Gomer continued in her ways even though she was accepted through this preferential love. And I began to weep and weep and weep. And I was like, ah. Excuse my language. I was like, I'm a whore. I sin against the Father. I sleep 
with the world. I sleep with the enemy. I sleep with my sin. I lay with my sin. I commit adultery with the desires of my flesh. But what a beautiful image of what God did in that story with Hosea. And Hosea went out and he found his wife and he took her from that place of adultery and brought her back into relationship with him. And that was a very prophetic of what Jesus would do with us and the relationship that we now have with the Father. Don't worry about the screens. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason, without reason that the Scripture says, the Spirit He made to dwell in us envies intensely. So scripture tells us that the spirit in us is envious if we have love and friendship for the ways of the world, for sin and flesh. And so the the spirit in us tells us, hey, you need to get this under control. There's something going on here. But then it says, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we we can do one or two things. We can say, well, no, I don't think that's an issue or, you know, God, you're just, you're just being whatever or, you know, I'm not ready. Pride. I can't give this up or whatever it is. I don't need the change. Well, then God resists that, right? But then he says he gives grace to the humble. And so how do we bring ourselves into a place of purity so that we can see God so there's no mixture? It starts with humility. It starts with just saying, yeah, it, it, with me in this story, yeah, I'm Gomer. Oh, that sucks, that hurts. And I wept and I wailed. And this is what he says in verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Right? First he calls us adulterers. Now he calls us sinners. Calm down, James. <clears throat> Sheesh. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts. There's that. Purification again. You double-minded. He's saying there's mixture. All right, he's calling it out. He says friendship with the world, there's mixture. You double-minded. Then he says this, verse 9. He says, be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord And he will exalt you. And I just can't imagine, and I don't know that I've ever sat under a teaching where a pastor, essentially James, he was leading some of the body of Christ, right? He's writing letters. It's like, oh, we got a letter from Pastor James. Let's read it. You adulterers, you sinners. Ah, you're supposed to be a shepherd, right? Supposed to feel good. And then he says, you know what? You need to clean your hands. You need to purify your heart. You need to, as a matter of fact, you need to go ahead and just be miserable and mourn and weep. But why would he, why would he command that? All right? I, I don't wish ill will against anybody. Right? I would never, ever want to make anybody cry or feel, feel terrible. Right? I would never want anybody to be miserable. As a matter of fact, when people are miserable, it breaks my heart. When my wife is sick, when Henry's sick, when Illy's sick, I'm like, my heart breaks. 
because I have no way to change. I mean, I can pray, right? We can ask the Lord to heal them. But otherwise, I have no way to control how they feel. You know, when I've seen Illy sick, I'm like, oh, I wish I could just snap my fingers. And I know that's the heart of the father for his children, right? In instances, the Lord has snapped his fingers and people have been completely healed head to toe. It's the love of the father, right? But I want to, I want to attack the misery. I want to remove the misery, except James here is saying, I wish misery upon you. But why? Because it's a beautiful misery. It's a misery and it's a place of humility that brings about change and brings about purity. And when you humble yourself to that place and allow the Lord to do that work in you, well, then you are resurrected into purity and into life. There's a judgment that brings life on the sin that has caused you to find yourself being an enemy of God. Right? It's a beautiful place. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. So James is warning, if we have any of this in our life, if there's anything, he's saying get to a place where you allow that spirit in you that envies the preferential love that you have for the world. And allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you your sin. And allow that Holy, the Holy Spirit in you to move on you in such a way that your, your flesh gets out of line, your mind gets set on the Spirit, and then it begins to bring life and peace. But there's a mourning process because I believe it's a dying process. When people die, we mourn. Scripture says, uh, Jesus says that if anyone be my disciple, he has to bear his cross daily, right? That's a daily death. For though we are dying outwardly daily, we are being inwardly renewed, and that's what this is all about. That's saying, I recognize where there's mixture. I'm going to submit myself to the Lord. I'm going to say, show me the places. And then it may be met with misery and mourning and, and gloom. But I tell you, that day that I was listening to that scripture, and you can ask Casey. Casey was sitting in the car with me one day. We're sitting at a, at a park, and we're listening to this sermon. And when the preacher said, you, you are Gomer, I ugly cried. You've seen ugly cry with Casey. And I'm like, hey, I just know God and I don't know. And I just wept and wept and wept. And I said, okay, I'm just going to let this go. Like, Lord, okay, just work through me, work through me. Just, But man, I, I felt such misery because I realized I was that. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that guy. Right? I don't want to stand behind closed doors. I don't want to be like a fraud. Right? I don't, I don't want to do those things. Why? Because I want to see God because he says, blessed are the pure in heart. So I want, to, I want to allow him to purify me. So let me read two more, two more verses, and then we'll move into this time of prayer. 1 John 3.3 3 says, and it's in the, uh, the voice translation. Christine got me on that one. All those who focus their hopes on him and his coming seek to purify themselves just as he is pure. So where the Lord says, I will purify your hearts, I will cause you to walk in my ways, we also, if we're desiring for the Lord to come back and we're focusing on Him, we desire to be transformed into His likeness, well then we also seek to purify ourselves just as He is pure. So we say, I want to be pure like you are, Jesus. 
So I want to allow you to do that work in me. Again, it's a coming into agreement with the work that he wants to do in us. And then Romans 8.13 says this, and I think it's beautiful the way it's phrased. For if your life is just about satisfying the impulses of your sinful nature, then prepare to die. Man, what? This is the Bible? Is it? You know what I mean? This is like, let me tell you, I think this is some of the stuff that, that some pastors don't preach because of fear. And this is some of the stuff that has evoked fear or provoked fear inside of me to speak. But it's a place of love and it's such a place of, place of beauty where these scriptures are being spoken. These guys were more concerned with, with the spirit in people than, we, than they were with how people's soul felt about them, right? Paul again said, for if I were a servant, of, he said, am I trying to please man or am I trying to please God? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so he's not trying to please men. He's trying to bring men into right standing with relation, in relationship with the Father, the Creator, the King of the heavens and the earth, because that's better. People will get over their feelings, right? People will get over their feelings. For if life is just about satisfying the impulses of your sinful nature, then prepare to die. Wow. But if you have invited the Spirit to destroy these selfish desires, you will experience life, death or life. Is your life about satisfying the impulses of your of your sinful nature? Is it being friends with the world? Is it allowing your kingdom to still stand? Or is it coming to a place where you're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. I want to come into agreement. I want to invite the Spirit to destroy these selfish desires. For the weapons we fight with are not of this world. However, they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Just think about this for a second. Let me, let me kind of see if I can help you along a little bit. Think about whatever in your life that you may still be bound to. That for some reason you've not been able to let it go. Right? Or for some reason it, the, there are thoughts you've not been able to overcome. Lies that, that come in or anger. Man, I, de- I deal with anger. But I realize it's because I have a problem with control, which is yeast of Herod and yeast of Pharisees. It's religion. I want people to act a certain way and think a certain way and do things a certain way. And so that when they don't do those things or be those things or act in that way, I get something rises up in me. Right? I, I realized just this morning I, I saw something on, on uh, the Sources Facebook page that just kind of threw me off. And I got upset. Right? And um, it's not any of you, by the way. But I got upset and then I got offended. And then I had to remind myself I've relinquished my right to offense. Right? Why should I be offended? Right? And then I thought about all the ways that I could respond and like be mean and do all these things. I'm like, why am I why am I doing this? Why am I entertaining this? I had to present that to the Lord and say, okay, here. So that's a stronghold for me. I still struggle with offense, right? I want to control. I have anger. 
I have these impulses and these desires to look at things I'm not supposed to look at and say things I'm not supposed to say and make jokes I shouldn't make and watch TV shows that are full of violence and nudity and worldliness, right? And I'm not, this isn't a sermon about which TV shows are good or bad. This is a personal conviction, right? And so just think about some of these things that have just grabbed onto you. And every time you try and get them to let go, they've not let go. And it's just with you, maybe for years. Again, maybe it's with your, your parents and your grandparents, and it's something that has just been passed on from generation to generation. Scripture says that we can invite the Spirit to destroy these things, to destroy these strongholds. And so where self is destroyed, where we take up our cross daily, we die to self, and we are living sacrifice, we find true disciples of Jesus. Those who have been the, seen the sacrificial, powerful love of Christ and seek to love like he loved and live like he lived and be pure as he is pure. And so this is disciple community, right? And so we want to disciple a community of disciples. <laughs> Jesus said, baptizing them, right? Make disciples, baptize them. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. We want to functionally help teach people to be obedient to this. But I keep going back to Jesus with the crowds. And he turns around and he says, here's the cost of being a disciple. And again, we read some of the things that he said and it seemed harsh. Right? But Jesus knew what he was inviting us into. And he said, the kingdom is like a treasure that a man found in a field. And when he found it, he put the treasure back in the field. He sold all that he had so that he could buy the treasure. And he says, this is the kingdom of heaven. We give it all because it's worth it and it's beautiful. So we're going to continue to present the challenge as, as the Lord leads me. Again, he led me to this. I didn't, you know, it's, I want to talk about rainbows and butterflies and feel goods, right? Um, but it's because he's challenging me in my life as well. We have to come to the place to where we say yes. It's either we are or we aren't. It really truly is we are or we aren't. Right? He didn't say blessed are the 90% pure in heart who still have 10% ties to love of the world. It's okay. I get it. I know your heart. There's a gray area. Let me tell you, there's grace for that. There's immense grace for that. And he's so good that he approaches us in that place where we're 50-50 or 60-40 or 70-30 or 80-20 or even 10-90. And for some people, they're 1% and 9% world, or 1% God and 99% world. And he still says the same thing with the same love and the same sacrifice and mercy and grace is available for that person in that place. And so where self is destroyed, we find purity that leads us to see God. Right? But if you have invited the Spirit to destroy these selfish desires, you will experience life. You know, and I know there are some people who, when they talk about uh, the Father and they talk about the Christian life, they avoid, the, um, they avoid words like war and kill, right, and destroy. And I mean, they, they avoid that kind of stuff. But I'm here to tell you, we have to take those kinds of words seriously that we find in Scripture, right? Weapons. Death, destroy, demolish, right? And so 
during this time of functional ministry. And Christine, if you, if, um, I don't know what you're, if you're feeling or sensing if you want to lead us in, in this time or I can lead us in this time. And we're just simply inviting the Lord to, inviting the Spirit to destroy strongholds. We, we just want to say yes, we come into agreement with what you want to do in us. And we'll have a little bit of time where we allow him to speak to people where they are. But then, of course, we want to invite people um, as you leave and you're in your place of prayer or study or whatever it is, that you continue to let this process happen within you. So do you want to do it? Do you want me to lead it? Okay. All right. Go for it. Um, well, earlier I felt led to, I'm just going to like put my crap out there because that's what I'm like, but um, I felt led to trade in fear of man for fear of God. And so um, that's one of the things that I went and traded. And I feel like what God is wanting us to do is to, um, to trade in whatever it is that, that we've been tied to the world with and, um, and trade that in for him and for more of, of his kingdom. And um, I got it's so funny because I have a lot of experiences with God and then I you always preach on the things that I experience but you have no idea and so you're preaching on, and I'm just like wow that's what happened to me and um, you were preaching on, on purity of course and um, there was a time when I was just pursuing the person of the father like I just wanted to see him and I just wanted to that's all I wanted. So I was just pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and getting nowhere. And, um, but I felt like it was right to pursue. So I kept doing it, kept doing it. And um, then I went, and you know how last week we went through a court case, right? Um, basically in the heavens. And um, I had done this and I had just, man, it's like probably 50 things I was repenting from, you know, and I just went and I was repenting and repenting and repenting and changing my mind about everything and just going, no, I don't want this. I don't want this. You know, then God's like bringing up more stuff. I'm like, yeah, not that either, you know? And, and, uh, and then I, I felt led just maybe an hour later or something. I was going and trying to lay myself out or actually I have Jesus bring me before the Father and lay me on the altar as a living sacrifice. And, <laughs> and Jesus told me, this is the first time that you've brought yourself as a pure sacrifice. And now you can see God. And I was just like, <laughs> first of all, it's kind of sucky to realize that I've never brought myself as a pure sacrifice. That I lay myself out nasty all the time. But then I got to experience that, and it was, <laughs> I don't want anything else. I don't, I, I mean, in fact, I just said, God, I don't want to leave this place. And he just said, well, you don't have to. And he showed me how, you know, we're always there, and he's inviting us to stay there, but be here, you know. And so anyway, I just felt like today what we were supposed to do was, was trade in some of our junk <laughs> for him. And so you don't have to get up, but whatever you want. I mean, if you feel led to, do it. If you don't, don't. But the important thing is, is that 
we just come before him and we yield ourselves to him. You know, that's that's what we need is more yielding. Oh, hey, Ivan, would you come in and play a little bit? Thanks. I don't know. I don't, it's not about mood song or anything, but I, I know that for me, music has a tendency to draw me closer, and I think that it's a heart of worship that really, when you are yielding yourself and you're worshiping him as holy, is when we become holy. And so holy is just set apart for God. And so I want to be set apart for him and not for the world. So let's just pray together. Jesus, just lead us before the Father, please. We yield ourselves to you. Father, we want to abandon those heartstrings that we have attached to the world. I know that I can't sever them myself. So Jesus, just cut them, cut them off. All those things I've struggled with or held on to. I want to just trade them in for you. We want to be laid out as a pure sacrifice. So all the impurities that are in us, just burn them away. We want to be a fragrant offering and an acceptable offering. And we want to see you. We know you want us want us to see you. And I was just reading in Hebrews 12 when it was talking about how we don't have to have this experience like Moses when in the earth you came and it was scary and it was terrible. And people were so scared of your presence and anyone who came would die. But then right after that, in, in that same chapter, it said that now we are in the heavenly places in the city of Zion in that mountain of the Lord. And that we can come with the saints in rejoicing. And so even if our hearts are broken here, we want to see you there. And we want to just feel that joyful presence that heavy and wonderful presence. Thank you, Lord. 